0: Batman book club a podcast that explores the dark knight library i am your host ryan lauer you can follow the batman book club on twitter and instagram at the batman bc for upcoming episodes latest episode drops and even some giveaways you can also follow me on twitter at Lauer_Ryan, Lauer underscore ryan flower spelled like lower the batman book club is a proud member of the batman podcast network hosted by batmanonfilm.com just go to batmanpodcastnetwork.com for a whole list of other nerdy shows that we all uh, share and frolic about in our free time. You can also write to the Batman Book Club at thebatmanbc at gmail.com for questions and comments or uh, anything at all, really. And lastly, if you'd ever be so kind, please take 30 seconds out of your day to rate and review the show. The link to the page on Apple Podcasts where you can rate and review the shows is in the description of this episode. The more ratings we get, the more reviews we get, it helps spread the word. And as we all know, that word is panic. Now, for this episode, we are talking about uh, Legends of the Dark Knight arc story, and it is Batman Gothic, written by Grant Morrison, with art by Klaus Janson. And I've been getting pretty cocky lately, thinking that I know a lot about Batman stories, and it was about time that I got knocked down a few pegs, so I brought <laughs> in the expert. I brought in from the Swamp Things podcast, it is Mr. Robert Reinecke. Hello, Robert. Hi,
1: Ryan. Good to be here.
0: Yes, happy to have you on. I know we've been talking for months, and it was just a whole lining up schedules, more so on my part of, oh, I've got this person that wants to be on, and this person, and you know, <laughs> all that, but then we got to you, and it was uh, great well, that when I'd asked you, it took you no time at all to choose
1: a story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I had a few that were on mine, but, I, but uh, knowing the love affair that is with with uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, uh, I, I wanted to... Uh, jump on gothic while it was still out there to be had.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, I approve, and I was actually pretty excited. And before we dip into that, this being your first time on the show, I would like Ooh. to ask you, I hope you're prepared, if you can tell us all, what is your favorite Batman story?
1: Well, um, I hadn't thought about that since I know that I'm going to be on for this one. and <laughs> You know, there's, there's always uh, books that hit us at just the right time in our lives when they imprint on us uh for me with with batman it was uh my senior year of high school i was 18 uh, i was into comics then and there was one that was coming out that i was uh, uh really looking forward to and i can remember going to get it after school the day it came out and i can't remember the exact spot it was sitting up there on display to be purchased um mm-hmm. and uh well the year was 1986, and the story with Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, okay, with that lightning bolt cover, it just stood out, and uh, with the painted artwork, it, like the first time I read it, I thought, well, "This is like the best comic I've ever read."
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and, uh, was
0: yeah. there a uh, was there a massive buildup, or was that a it was getting its reputation as it was coming out?
1: There was there was a buildup to it. I can't remember if the Rolling Stone article that featured it was before it came out right after it came out, but it was right there. It was brewing on the horizon. And, and I mean, I, I think it's like one of the most uh, appropriate covers in history because it really hit the comic shop scene, like a lightning bolt. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's not the first adult comic. <laughs> it, it's not even the first adult comic that featured uh, uh, DC characters. I, I would think Alan Moore's Swamp Thing would probably uh, lay claim to that. But it made an impression. I mean, it's still showing up in the movies today, influences from that one story. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was 18. I was growing up. It felt like comics growing up at the same time uh, during the 80s there. And, uh, like I said, I, I don't know. If, 1986 was quite the year for comics. I, I really think it's why I still read comics to this day. I mean, in addition to The Dark Knight Returns, you had uh, Alan Moore. We're still going strong at Swamp Thing. You had Alan Moore's Watchmen about to come out, and that was getting a lot of hype at the time, too. Howard Chaikin was doing the shadow. Uh, John Byrne reinvented Superman with the Man of Steel. It was quite the year.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I would have loved to have been... Maybe maybe we could consider a contemporary... So like maybe Three Jokers hype for the comic world is... Maybe, kind of, sort of, what Dark Knight Returns was like in the '80s. Maybe, maybe not. No, nah, no, Dark Knight <laughs> even closer. <Returns> <laughs> Dark,
1: Knight, Dark Knight Returns made waves way outside the comic book scene.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Okay, very cool. Very cool. And uh, what do you think the reason for that was? This is not the focus of the episode, but I'm very intrigued. I
1: like. I've... I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons for that. I think comics. I, like I said, DC was just about to reinvent itself after Crisis yeah. on Infinite I mean, that was certainly in the air. And uh, I, I think the, uh, the direct market was kind of reaching its apex of mm-hmm. influence in that. And uh, um, that was, I don't want to say it's the first adult uh, story featuring a mainstream superhero, but... It's the first adult story featuring a superhero on uh, the order of Batman. Yeah. And uh, it looked like pretty much no other comic on the stands at the time with the painted uh, colors by Lynn Varley and it was violent and it it was cinematic and it was dense and it was a comic first. I mean, you look at the 16 panel grid in it? it, it was dense, but then it would blow up to these big impressive splash pages and, it moved. <laughs> it moved.
0: <laughs> it moved. I like it.
1: Yeah. Well, very cool.
0: Very cool. I don't think anybody would ever argue with anyone who says that is their favorite Batman story. So, uh, wise pick. Wise pick, sir. <laughs> but today, we're talking Batman Gothic. It was released in 1990. Legends of the Dark Knight, the, the title that I bring up all the damn time on this show because it has, it has so many good stories. It was number six through number 10 and it's been released in trade paperbacks it's been in a, a newish deluxe hardcover uh, it's released digitally and the specific issues well individual issues are available on dc universe soon to become dc infinite uh which version do you have and did you read for this for, for this episode
1: well i have the original issues mm-hmm. so peter farrell would be proud of that but i, I, I pulled <laughs> up the the new, uh, uh, paperback of it which has a, a little bit of extras in the back including a uh, grant morrison sketches of the uh mr whispers dust trap
0: <laughs> oh cool
1: um i don't really like the cover of the new version at least compared to the covers of the originals but it's a it's a good solid version and i'm, I'm happy to have
0: it. with the the cover is that the one of him like on a next to a gargoyle on a top of a building
1: it's just kind of him leaping off of a a church of some sort with some bats flying around.
0: okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So I talk about this Hoopla app, which is like a digital, almost like a digital library that connects to people's uh, home libraries and stuff and has endless amounts of comics. And because I, too, Peter Vera would be proud of both of us, I also have the original first issues. Uh, but they're in a long box, kind of put away. So sadly, I dipped into the you know the younger generation and said hey digital's fine but i mean it reads just as good but the the front page that this uses i think it's checking out the original trade paperback that's got yeah actually i think the yeah the same image you were describing which was the legends of the dark knight number 6 cover i believe
1: yeah yeah my my version has like a variation on that but i i think the original cover is much better yeah definitely
0: uh so what is it about this story that you quickly jumped to when I asked if you'd like to come on the show? What made you choose Batman Gothic?
1: Well, one, it's, it's part of Legends of the Dark Knight, which I think pound for pound had the the best stories of any mm-hmm. regular Batman title.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I wanted to get this one maybe not quite on the ground floor, but close to the beginning of that. Um, yeah. Also... Um, I wanted to dip into another point in Grant Morrison's uh, career. And I think this is safe to say this is the most straightforward story that uh, Grant Morrison ever wrote with <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Unless
0: there's something I haven't read yet by him, I uh, totally agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, also, I, I really like uh, Batman and the Gothic uh, mixing together. And I, I think this is the first. Uh, true kind of gothic story that you can say following uh his reinvention in year one in the dark knight returns um in a regular book uh of some sort i mean certainly there would be more of it but uh and i, I, I can't remember if the cult was before or after this but they were they got to be pretty close together but uh, this is certainly batman versus supernatural which Something we kind of gotten since uh what Detective Comics number thirty one in nineteen thirty nine, but it's it's very on and off, but it certainly was prevalent in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, to and I feel like this is Grant Morrison tapping into his teenage years mm-hmm. a bit and uh, doing something different than everybody else was doing with Batman at the time. It's it's certainly not a, a a Frank Miller Batman story.
0: <laughs> no, no, not at all. And I think it delves into the supernatural in kind of like a I don't want to say a modest way that's not the right word I'm thinking of but it's not like way out there it's it deals pretty realistic and I think that's definitely plays as a strength throughout the story which we will get to uh do you remember the first time that you read
1: this that would have been 1990 when it came out right when it came Um, out Yep. yeah I was a subscriber who led to the dark knight from the beginning nice um,
0: did so. you did you last the entire run
1: mm, i think i got up to like the 170s oh, okay almost like uh, a, i should i should have lasted the entire <laughs> run but <laughs> you were so close I, i've last i've lasted uh, the entire way from uh year one till now on uh, batman and detective <laughs> oh wow well done <laughs>
0: Well done on that. Yeah, I think... So, I've also alluded to in many different times for this show of the the infamous stack of comics given to me by my uncle. And in the stack of comics, this was in the... Uh, this was probably late 90s that he'd given it given it to me, was like the first six... Or, sorry, ten issues of Legends of the Dark Knight. So, the shaman uh, issues as well as gothic. But I sat on gothic for quite a long time and i probably wasn't until oh mid-teenage maybe late teenage years that i finally read this for the first time and the story it's it's i'm appreciative that you picked it because it's fuzzy it's one of like i've always i've mentioned of like oh yeah of the dark knight is gothic and i'm always like yeah gothic and hey gothic but i never remember what the story is for some reason because it's so spaced out every time that every time that i read it so we don't have to go beat by beat in the story but you did say that you overprepared for this. <laughs> so well, I could almost just pass it over to you and say like why don't you teach me a few things because I'm sure <laughs> you know a lot more of this story and some of Morrison's the things he's alluding to better than better than I do. So where would you like to start of uh, with a story oh
1: man i mean there, there's probably <laughs> two two places to start i mean one is detective comics number 31 and 32 uh batman versus the monk
0: uh-huh
1: uh, like gardner fox and sheldon moldoff and bob kane and whatever bob bill finger did with it um that's certainly where you have the start of batman versus supernatural mm-hmm. and i i think morrison well kind of continue what he does in his uh, run in, in the 2000s of uh, taking something old and kind of reinventing it for the present. Um, but I, I think he kind of took that story, he mixed it with, um, well, let's put it this way, for my right over preparation, I uh, read an 18th century novel, uh, <laughs> a, monk, a romance uh, by uh, Matthew Lewis for the year 1796. Which is clearly an influence on that, on this one. Uh, it, the monk uh, concerns the corruption of a proud, charismatic, but inhumane monk named Ambrosio. He gets uh, seduced through appeals to his vanity by the demon in the form of a young woman who is disguised as a monk, <laughs> apparently impressed by his piety, and just wanted to get closer to him. At least that's what she, she tells him. But then she leads him down a path uh, to giving up his volatility, being indifferent to others. Uh, he attempts the seduction of a young innocent, and when that fails, he turns to sorcery, murder, and rape. Um, and ultimately ends up with uh, Ambrosia selling his soul to Lucifer himself in order to escape from the Spanish Inquisition. So you can tell right away this is anti-Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> but... Like many, Brodja forgot the fine print and discovers that he only asked the devil to whisk him out of prison, and uh, nothing more. And at that point, the devil kind of uh, throws him off a mountain to suffer for six days and die, <laughs> and then go to hell. No oh, man. So, and, then, and that's that's only part of it. There's also like a, a <laughs> subplot involving a young romantic adventurer who, at one point, point tries to elope with a young woman who's promised to a convent against her will. Uh, one at one point, they aspire a plan for her to escape uh, with the woman using the legend of the ghost of the bleeding nun as a disguise. Uh, unfortunately for the hero, he whisks away the actual ghost of the bleeding nun and swears his love to her. <laughs> so it's, so a that, yeah, exactly. it's a children's okay. story. Yeah, it's <laughs> a children's story. And at that point, he's being haunted by uh, her ghost. Uh, but fortunately for him, the wandering Jew shows up like the phantom stranger and performs an exorcism. Uh, But the two plots intertwine when the hero's love is confined to the nunnery in the Ambrosia's parish and he tries to rescue her, albeit not before knocking up the nun on a wedlock, which causes Mm. things to go from bad to worse. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, (laughs) well, this is your average
0: uh, story. (laughs) Well, for comic fans at the time, I'd assume, like, this – Batman Gothic wouldn't be too unexpected in where Morrison's going because just a few years prior was his uh, Arkham Asylum story, which uh I don't know, I guess was a good appetizer for Gothic. Um maybe that could have been like the the main dish and this is app- an appetizer. I don't know. Because he you know that he does like to he likes to dip into he just likes to dip into religion. And not in a not in a total like I'm trying to persuade you one way or the other. He just definitely pulls from elements to uh, sh- help shape his story. And I think that that can, make, that can make for a frustrating read, but also a very beneficial read, because I, we've covered with uh, Eric Holzman, he was on and he chose the Arkham story. And it can be a, that story can be a frustrating read, but, uh, but it's, re- it's reread value is also very high because I'm learn. I kind of yeah. am learning something new every time. And so for, so for this, I really wish that there'd have been a version that had like a, uh, his annotations in the back. Cause yeah. in the Arkham book, it includes Morrison's script. And I'm kind of like, ah, oh, to me, Dave McKean's art kind of hurts Morrison's story because it's kind of distracting and I can't really get what, what's going on at, at times. And then I read the script and it's a lot more clear. And then with Morrison's little annotations at the bottom to help explain and guide. So though this story is not as complex as that, no. I do think some annotations are like, would help me like, oh, that's cool. Or like, oh, okay, that's what connects to this. So fortunately we've got Robert Reinecke here, who's done his homework <laughs> to do his own annotations. And I think what stands out to me definitely is the, is the, the woman in the story that you'd mentioned.
1: Yes, because
0: completely <laughs> yes. forgot about. So like literally in, in this story uh horrible things happen to nuns in the flashback. And then there's a ghost element of a nun. And then there's a female that has been lingering who has her final reveal at the end, which we can get to that because we're going to spoil it. We'll get, yes. we'll get to that. But that's you reading that part is kind of what I have. I initially uh, thought of, but you bring it up monk I, I think let's just start there almost that's almost the the central part of this story is this one character who goes by many names uh mm-hmm. he he's the mr whisper uh he is a murderer of mob bosses but the weird thing is that he was killed by the mob 20 mm-hmm. years ago because he had because this this guy mr whisper had murdered children so the mob weren't able to function correctly, so they took uh, justice in their own hands, hunted him down, took him out.
1: Variation on Fritz Lang's M, uh, which kind of brings in the German expressionism into the story. Uh, Elaborate. Well, Fritz Lang's M is about uh, uh, like early 1930s, just at the cusp of the sound era. Uh, Fritz Lang made it in Germany. It's kind of a parallel or at least a, a parable about the uh, Nazis come into power and these criminals come into power and in judging other people. And basically there's a child murderer going around um, played by Peter Laurie in a great performance. Uh, the mob is tired of getting shut down because the police are everywhere. Um, so they uh, engage to hunt down the child murderer themselves and put him on trial and apparently s- sentence him to death if they catch the actual guy. Uh, so at least you got the a very atmospheric story, uh, crime-based story, um, but but uh, elevated and uh, uh, by Fritz Lang who did Metropolis and uh, was certainly influenced by the likes of Nosferatu and The Um So you, you kind of have that mixed in here. So you kind of have the, uh, the the true crime element mixed in with the uh, the gothic element here. Because I, I kind of think that gothic uh stories and expressionism and kind of romantic friction and weird and macabre all kind of blend together in at least modern cinema Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so you're you're speaking uh very smart and intelligently and i knew i was going to be uh (laughs) feeling like an idiot throughout all of this so this is now your show robert Uh, congratulations (laughs) (laughs) whether that was your goal or not well, so, this is
1: this is what I do. I overprepare. No,
0: you can't overprepare because people are going to have their minds blown when they listen to this and uh, not realizing how much is how much is in here and how much like can be yeah. uh, how much yeah. can be gotten out of a, a comic book story.
1: Yes, I mean this is certainly Alan Moore or Grant Morrison in his uh, kind of second coming of Alan Moore period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now i I think Alan Moore will have a a better grasp on some of the quotes that are used in here uh than Morrison, but it's certainly the British invasion period we're kind of coming back to for comics
0: mm, yeah uh so again, I mean we keep going back to the the eighties and comics. What a time to be a a comic book fan um so as we so Mr. Whisper to get to this guy yeah he Let's, I'll break him down. He was Mr. Whisper. He is supposed to be dead 20 years later. He looks the exact same. Uh, Bruce finds out that this Mr. Whisper just so happens to be Mr. Winchester, a headmaster of Bruce's school when Bruce was a child. Later on, we also learn and connect the dots of a story that this is actually a monk. And his name is uh, Manfred. Manfred, Mm -hmm. who is centuries old, and they're all one in the same. So that's definitely where you dip into the supernatural aspect of the story. Is that we have a human being now who is three hundred plus years old,
1: and without a shadow,
0: and without a shadow. Yes. So, in one of in the flashback of Bruce explaining of how he'd gotten, uh, he'd gotten. I mean, what I, to, I don't want to say abused, but he'd gotten the stick for discipline in is uh, in his school when he was little. And in that flashback moment, we see him as he does the, I forget how Morrison words it of Mr. Winchester believed in the, some style of discipline. And that meant been over the desk and he going to get a whacking. And Bruce was looking and in the wastebasket was a, was a head of a child one of his friends that he'd spoken to at school but then he'd said like what he saw terrified him more than that and i didn't get it on first reading for this episode of how he didn't cast a shadow winchester didn't cast a shadow i totally overlooked that and then i was doing some research after i finished the story and i'm like oh crap that's what he was talking about because i wasn't able to piece together i mean how much of a how big of a comic fan am i that i didn't notice this of I didn't piece together that that's what he was saying that terrified him. Of I'm just I like, well, are we supposed to pick up on something else happened that we just don't know about? That's kind of ambiguous there. But then going back and it's right there that Winchester did not cast a shadow. Well, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and scary. Yeah, and scary. So that's kind of the the basis of the story is everything connects to this manfred slash mr whisper slash mr winchester and how it's affecting the mob who can't who's who's scared because they're being hunted down by this guy and then now what this mr or manfred is planning to do for gotham and then batman is involved because the mob says hey we'll call a truce we'll stop being criminals if uh you'll help us catch this guy and and then we'll be criminals again. How about that, Batman? And Batman's <laughs> like, uh, you know, piss off. Like, <laughs> no deal. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting setup.
1: Upside down bat signal.
0: Yeah. So, so that got me too. I was a, at first, I was kind of like, uh, is this, like, is this a mistake or is this just their version of the bat signal? And then it was kind of like, no, they're just. <laughs> Little inverted dumb mob bosses, stay away from the bat signal, don't turn it on <laughs> to move that along. So, Batman's play here, he he definitely doesn't take a back seat, he's just not in this. Oh, he's not in this as much as I thought he was. If that makes any sense,
1: well, I mean, he's he's, he's constantly doing things, but I mean, he's running off on uh, uh, a mission he kind of mm-hmm. abandons Gotham midway through to run to Europe to investigate the uh, origins of uh, Winchester mr. whisper manfred and uh, it kind of leaves uh, what's going on whisper in the uh, gangsters uh, to their own devices for a while um, yeah but I mean it it's it's certainly. He's he's certainly active here, but I mean, it, it, there's there's a time there where when uh, Gotham is al- alone to the gangsters and whisper uh, in in the middle of the book for a bit. Yeah, uh, certainly yeah. in chapter one, uh, Batman doesn't know what's what's going on for quite a bit, and really he doesn't know at all until like the last page when the gangsters summon him. So he, it's kind of a slow introduction uh, to Batman, although he does receive a ghostly warning. Yeah, uh, in the form of a dream, uh, apparently from his father. So, shades of Hamlet there in some ways. There, I think that is why.
0: Therein lies why I feel like Batman's not in it as much, is because it does kind of take a while for him to get in the story, because Morrison's setting up the story, and I think it's he, Morrison packs a lot in these five chapters. And I think that that's definitely a strength is that it's kind of a I've said it before on the show of using like dense as a word, but I mean it in a totally positive way of there's a lot, mm-hmm. I think a lot to unpack in this story. And I think that the setup for the story. I don't, it's it's p- got to be patient, but it's not like it's it's useless information either. It's definitely planting seeds that sprout throughout the rest of the, the rest of the book.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like the the first uh, poem that uh, gets played on a record player is like Oranges and Lemons, which is a traditional English nursery rhyme, and it's kind of a throwaway, but the rhyme concerns uh, London church bells, and the church bell is going to play a part in the climax, so it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a throwaway, but clearly... Foreshadowing. So ...where he's going, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, why um, not...
0: Yeah, chime in and keep, like, more – because that's what I thought in this, too. When you said he'd overprepared, and I thought, so anytime that there's – like, part of the – at the opera, I'm like, oh, I bet Robert knows everything about the connections with the opera. And the the song there of the Oranges and Lemons, of, you know, that kind of info. So that's cool, and how that foreshadows basically how – foreshadows the bell at the end.
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, Don Giovanni, I mean, is is an opera – it's about the Mozart wrote the music for it. Uh, uh, basically, it's based on uh, Don Juan, uh, a, a a playboy, I guess, or maybe a, a Lothario. Um, uh, basically, uh, it's it's the end uh, of Don Giovanni. Basically, uh, the the title character ends up being dragged to hell for punishments for his sins and misdeeds.
0: Ha! Uh, <laughs> well, that makes so sense. Again,
1: plays into the story i mean um, and uh there, there's uh, other things in here too i mean like the muggers which i will chastise uh morrison a bit for uh clearly using scottish slang instead of american slang on them are i feel that they're uh wearing masks that are right out of the phantom of the Para- paradise uh, mm-hmm. by brian de palma which is itself an update of the phantom of the opera uh yeah. so that's certainly a classic horror story that uh Morrison finds a way to uh, touch on, and I I like that the Batman declares himself the king of hell uh, when he encounters the, those muggers, which is I think uh, kind of ironic when he's going to end up against the forces of hell themselves in the story. Wow,
0: it's all connected. <laughs> so gobbits, when they say gobbits, that's a Scottish slang. I gotta be Scottish,
1: cause it's certainly not American.
0: <laughs> gobbits, uh, <do> you- <laughs> do you think that definitely in the opera that i like i don't remember his name the guy who in the uh, opera
1: don't God you piano. think
0: yeah do you think there's some godfather influence there
1: <laughs> i think there's more than a little there I to <laughs> that's, that's having some fun there i and just uh, looked right at it
0: and that's exactly what i thought i'm like i'm not the only one like no. this isn't news <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, I found something. I found an Easter egg in Batman Gotham.
1: Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> there Ryan. Yeah, later in uh Klaus Jensen sneaks in the Anton first Batmobile too.
0: Yes. So <laughs> uh, I I know I feel like I'm I'm jumping all over the place with this. Let's let's hop to the the origin story of the monk himself. Sure. Uh I think now to your knowledge is this is this a, an original idea from Morrison or does this kind of dip into any other uh, reference
1: material that you know of Um it doesn't jump in directly to anything I know of. obviously okay. it's a, it's a a variation on the monk by uh, Matthew Lewis as we said before but it's it's certainly kind of reinvented the wheel there okay. um but I mean, it's, it's certainly quite in dealing with the Gothic tradition and evil, evil monks are certainly uh, uh, prevalent. <laughs> Selling your soul to the devil is not something new,
0: <laughs> but no. I mean, it,
1: it also has a lot of uh, things going on there. I mean, they, he eventually uh, what creates a ghost ship uh, at some point, so I mean, that brings up like Davy Jones, or the Flying Dutchman, or even the uh, the the part of Dracula where he goes to England uh, originally, yeah. and it it also kind of reminds me though not not a that's not a supernatural tale of uh, the Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco, which is a big uh, bestseller in the 1980s and made into a movie with Sean Connery uh, as a uh, a monk who uh, solves a series of murders at a monastery. Um, uh, not quite as grotesque as this uh, tale that uh, Morrison is is using, but uh, certainly it's something that was in the atmosphere of the time.
0: Yeah, all that connects. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the monks, uh, his origin story per se is about his monastery. Uh, I'm trying to find which the page exactly and because i think it's told really well and i think that's it's one of the top points in the book and i mean that's effective because you don't getting an origin of of a villain isn't always like a good thing sometimes it's left better just unsaid but i mean this is adding to the supernatural aspect of it all and bruce himself as batman flies over to austria because of the the taped recordings because he wanted to get winchester's uh some of his taped uh lessons from mm-hmm. the school and in it it maybe explained to me on how i missed i got a little confused here of like he's listening to winchester's speeches but then somehow his dad's voice has popped up in there too
1: yeah sometimes dad's voice has popped up in there too don't know if it's if it's a rational explanation, like this tape was uh, left running and and uh, uh, and Thomas was speaking at at some different point and he got picked up on it, or okay. possibly was the ghost of uh, uh, Thomas leaving his son a message. Uh, I guess there's a rational explanation and an irrational explanation, and both are possible here.
0: Okay, but.
1: Uh, I, I kind of think well, uh, Batman kind of leaps at the uh, at the connection uh, and follows it to Austria at the Lake Doss, I believe it is, uh, yes. which is a big clue. So, I mean, we are in a supernatural story for, for a change, and he is, and his father seems to be wanting to communicate with him uh, somehow. So, I, I like that it's it's there, although it is, it is something of a stretch for uh, the. The rational minded Batman, but it it does feel like Batman as a romantic hero following his instincts.
0: Yeah. And I think that's that could almost be a turnoff for Batman readers because a lot of readers follow Batman because he's almost the most uh, realistic. So to dip into Supernatural can be like, eh, this just kind of doesn't work for me. But that's then again, like this approach does it in a way that I think is very it still is kind of like very realistic and you could, if you don't want to believe the, if you don't want to believe the supernatural aspects, it's almost like you could, you could not believe them and the story still works, but I do believe them. And I think the story's stronger for it. And this in like with mm-hmm. Morrison using religious aspects and pulling from that and creating this idea that this monk Manfred, uh he's kind of drawn to a youth Mm -hmm. as as like a challenge and to uh to convert kind of like convert him maybe or but then the the kid conrad i'm trying to instead of reading the page from memory he says it's almost like we have to commit all the sins to kind of because that like somehow that makes us puts us above it or outside of it how how is the relation of that like how did he like the fuse on his monastery being so sinful?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, um, I, I kind of think it is that, uh, I, I guess there's an old, uh, well, I, I think like some, like if you read like father Brown mysteries where Mm -hmm. you you think, uh, where basically the religious are more familiar with sin than you would imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, just because they're they're tasked with dealing with sin, and I I kind of think uh, Manfred takes the uh, we're going to deal with sin so no, in it, all its forms uh, too far, mm-hmm. and then that, that finds himself with no place to return um, to, except for those deals with the devil for what three hundred years of uh, immortality. Um,
0: I, I found because, it. Yeah, it says. The youth, it seemed, had been corrupted by the heretical belief that sin is the road to salvation and that by indulging in every vice, we can come more humbly into the sight of merciful God. So, in other words, the more we sin, the better off we'll be post-life and in the eyes of God. Now, I'm not trying Yay. to be a preach uh, a preacher or anything like that. <laughs> but just that idea, the more evil we do, the better the better we the, will be. The
1: greater God's love is for us. What? Because <laughs> we have more to forgive.
0: <laughs> and then how do they take that? A bunch of nuns come to the monastery kind of for like, you know, some salvation and the, and that's where like the horrible treatment of them and like the, the rape. And then even one nun that was burned at the stake. Burned
1: alive. Uh,
0: yeah. And that's your, that's your first class ticket into heaven. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> And then by the ways of uh, happenstance, you know, the uh, the dam broke and washed and flooded the the monastery. And Manfred... Yes, yeah,
1: kind of an old kind of an Old Testament punishment.
0: Yeah, and the Manfred kind of, that's where he, he makes his deal with the devil, of letting him be alive in 300 years, uh, come back and get him. That plays into the back half of the story because we get that origin halfway through this and it plays into the rest because that sets in motion of what this mr whisper is doing in the present and he's trying to set off a plague in gotham trapping and that takes the source or like the the main hub is in this new cathedral that he's building and that's where Gotham's souls are like through this plague. They're all going to die rapidly and their souls are going to be trapped in this cathedral. And that's who Mr. Whisper can make a deal with the devil of, Hey, instead of taking me, here's all these souls. And then he can continue to live on forever. That's a nutso story as well, <laughs> but it dips into the supernatural kind of aspect of, you know, trap mm-hmm. like that dips into horror to me of trapping souls and trading yeah. in a, the devil and Lucifer and stuff. And, and you know cult like though he doesn't have a cult it definitely makes me think of like you know cult horror and such and so what do you think about that that plan because that's an original it's not like we read that very often in comic books no no uh, it's, an, it's it. another it's another monk
1: Manfred plot geez <laughs> no it's, it's a it's a mass murder plot that doesn't involve uh uh just random killing. It, it, there's a definite purpose to it, uh, a definite supernatural purpose. I mean, it it certainly reads reads like something out of a uh, I don't know, like a Hellraiser type story. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I I I don't think there's any coincidence that uh, uh, Morrison uh, picks a poem in French, I think, for chapter three that has the word centibite in it. <laughs> <laughs> well if it ends in bite then it's definitely like oh hellraiser right <laughs> but it's it's certainly something that uh it's certainly a uh an original uh plan and i i and uh 2020 is a good year for uh uh a story oh about gosh. plagues <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah this one's too topical i'm going to sit on this episode for a few years where the wounds aren't so fresh you know
1: yeah i, I mean and and the and there there's a certain uh think that morrison will return to i mean we have the there there's like a a a rose a a red rose that he repeats and there's like black death so that red black scheme is something that he uh morrison had brought up and stuff like r.i.p uh with kind of the checkerboard and and earlier so that's that's certainly uh something that morrison hasn't forgotten about um i don't know if he's really brought that home yet but it's certainly that's something that's uh in his mind uh in, in regards to batman
0: Definitely likes to go. Likes to go back to that, and uh, so like in this of the after Batman gets the the origin story, he goes and he investigates this flooded monastery, and he sees. He thinks that he sees the nun, the nun who walks around looking for. She she's looking for Manfred. Uh, right. Up up until his soul return like goes to hell basically and then she'll finally be set free but it seems like she's always walking around the monastery at night every single night looking for him and batman thinks that he sees her and i think he does see her and then as he goes to chase her he sees his reflection in a mirror but that also goes to where we get more of the unlock the rose
1: yes yeah where he finds the the plans for the cathedral uh that manfred is basically planning it Planning this since the beginning
0: mm-hmm. yeah and bruce he's able to go back he returns back to gotham in the cave he kind of lays, lays the lays the original cathedral plan with the gotham cathedral plans and how they line up perfectly and that's helping him see of like what the what the end game is here so, what yeah. are some what are some of your what are some of your other notes? Some other things that you'd researched and found in connections
1: with the story. <laughs> well, let me see. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of quotes from, uh, well, maybe not a bunch, but s- several quotes from uh, uh, Coleridge from the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Um, it's a, a poem about a sailor cursed because of uh, killing an albatross, but there is certainly a. Uh, A a haunted uh, spooky ship in that one, uh, too, um, which I think is uh, uh, one of it. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Morrison quotes from Milton's Paradise Lost. With nine days they fell, I got the first murder right before an elevator. Um, uh, Let's see. I I guess you you could say that uh, Manfred is a cursed mariner of a sort with his uh, ghost ship from mm-hmm. uh, Twelfth Night of Music Be the Foot of Love. Uh, Bam Bam explains later when he finds out that there was a uh, double cross going on rather than Poison Wine. It was actually an uh, explosive piano that uh, uh, Whisper had planned. Um, Twelfth Night, I, I kind of think it's kind of a uh, a weird connection to the story because it is really kind of a light comedy. I think it's one of Shakespeare's best comedies, but it's it's kind of out of place as a quote, this story. I mean, I, I'm certain Morrison wanted a, a quote about music um, and this is written in the days about before the internet, but I think there certainly could be a better uh, classic quote about music and death uh, wrapped together than the music be the food of love. Um, but Morrison's trying, it's it's harder in the days before the internet. Um, uh, there's, there's a couple of times uh, where uh whisper or Winchester is reading a poem it's uh old to a night gale by John Keats uh, he was certainly one of the leading romantic poets um, and that comes back at the climax um, when uh whisper talks about the bird that that meant her death uh, there so I, I'm kind of moving through these uh the bat gyro we have is from yes Uh detective comics 31 and 32 uh, that's clearly the Morrison's most clear uh, reference to that story. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm happy to see it because uh, putting that up against the full moon uh, certainly calls up a classic story. Yeah uh, let's see I probably should should add that the the Burning nun is is a a, cla- a very good misdirect by uh, Grant Morrison there because there's another nun moving around Gotham at some point, a little none, and uh, maybe we'll get get into that that yet, but it's certainly, uh, uh, I think Morrison does a heck of a job with that misdirect. I kind of think that uh, Morrison, whether he was thinking of it or not, is also kind of tapping into um, uh, Don't Look Now, a story by Daphne du Maurier, uh, or uh, made into a movie by Nicholas Rogue with uh, Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie's in the 1970s, with about a guy is restoring a, a cathedral. That one's in Venice, and uh, things don't turn out very well because of some seemingly supernatural uh, things and apparent ghosts and visions. Um, that that's another one of the references that come to mind. And and uh, let's see what we else we have here. Um, but well, occupy. Maybe I should get, go to uh, a couple of other ones. Uh, uh, there's a chapter five is a, another is a quote from Doctor Faustus, which is probably the most on point quote. It's a uh, it's by, by a story by Christopher Marlowe from the what the 15th century, 16th century. Basically, uh, uh, Mar- Faustus is a, is a doctor that ends up selling his soul to the devil. And he uh, ends up being tor- torn apart by demons at the end of his deal with the devil, which is uh, very appropriate. The, all these,
0: <laughs> it's like they never learn. All these stories <laughs> end up with something of like, yeah, you tried to you outsmart the, the devil. It doesn't work.
1: <laughs> it does not work. <laughs> uh, the climax is set on uh, May Eve of Walpurgis uh, which is a traditional witch's night, which is exactly six months before Halloween. Um so it's kind of uh, uh, important in the pagan calendar. Mm. Uh, Ring Around the Roses uh, is a traditional English poem about plague, again, that that fits in very well. <laughs> um, Mr. Whisper uh, quotes from pulls The Mask of the Red Death in the crypt, which is like 100% on point. <laughs>
0: I like this. It's almost like it's a rapid fire. Just keep going. Keep going, Rob. What else you got? What else you got?
1: You're not uh, impressing
0: me yet. Keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Well, the monk, the original story, uh every chapter begins with an epigram from another uh famous story. Um so he's he it at least structurally from there. And uh what else do we have here? I mean I got the, there's quite literally a ticking clock at the end. Uh, yep. that uh, batman has to beat <laughs> um i think that's it for just about it for quotes i mean uh that was that for death of mortal bird is another key uh return that Keats uh old to a nightingale and I, I suppose it's worth noting that uh keats is uh was regarded as one of the leading lights of the romantic period and i think uh uh he died young uh but left a legacy, kind of a heroic legacy about a poet. So maybe uh, there's uh, Morrison is comparing Keats to Batman in some sense there.
0: And that's it. That's all you got. <laughs> I wouldn't even uh, know where to look on some of these. So <laughs> uh,
1: let's see. See if I can find anything else set there. But yeah, that's 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 Go the ahead. main thing. Oh, I should talk about the Death Trap. Do it. Because at one point, uh, Batman does... uh, Well, Whisper does get the better of Batman, I think, in a, in a pretty good fashion. I, I should say it's, it's notable here that Batman is kind of the super uh, capable, seemingly unbeatable uh, hero that he is in later Morrison stories. I mean, he bleeds, he sweats. Uh, Whisper surprises him at times. I think he even screams in, in surprise at, at, at the climax. But uh at what point uh Whisper gets him and he kind of uh what, traps him in this uh Rube Gerberg like uh death trap, uh with uh, things going on with a big giant drum gonna drop on Batman's head after all these things go back and forth. And I kinda like that the things are going back and forth and moving down the page. That kinda reminds me of Pole's Pit and the Pendulum. Mm-hmm. Which is a the classic uh macabre death trap, I think.
0: Yeah. So the entrance into that is also how you'd referenced earlier of Anton First's Batmobile. And that's exactly what I thought. Like I don't remember my thoughts to ever reading it before. So this almost felt like a new, like a first time read again. But that page instantly when I turned to that one and it just seemed like, oh, that's the eighty nine Batmobile and it's like he's going into the uh in into Axis. Yes. You know, and I and I think you know the Raptors and and stuff that he's walking on there too kind of supports that a little bit, and that's just that's instantly what I what popped in my my head for that. So of course that's going to feel really cool of like, oh my gosh, look like, where he's at!
1: <laughs> I wonder if it's the first time anybody snuck in the uh, the first Batmobile into a Batman book other than uh, the O'Neill Ordway adapted.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That'd be interesting.
1: It's real close.
0: Yeah. Go to d c universe start grabbing every single issue. well heck, you can go to your long boxes and grab every every issue of stuff <laughs> well I, I have it.
1: less than a year i I figured out to look at
0: <laughs> yep, there you go um yeah, so that death trap that's pretty morbid and pretty pretty wild and so the the woman that pops up in the story she i don't know what page she first enters, but she comes off of Like she, she comes off a bus, I believe, Mm -hmm. and she's approached by a guy on the street. Who then it's like he, he, he gets like a glance at her, and then he like definitely backs up as if she's kind of like, uh, no, I don't know his quote. It's almost like, oh shit, no, I'm like, I'm sorry, never mind, we're cool, we're cool. And he's terrified of her, but she doesn't do much in the whole story. And then of course she ends up in in Mister Whisper's uh, cathedral. And when Batman goes, Batman there at the end, he, he sees her too. And he says, you know, you stay here as he chases after Mr. Mr. Whisper. This is after he gets loose from the death trap. And I did not, and I just, I love the, the page that kind of explains her part and everything. And how Mr. Whisper kind of thinks that he's free after like his final confrontation with Batman uh, down below, like down in the subway. He gets Which hit by a brutal. train.
1: Which is, that whole sequence is brutal. <laughs> it is,
0: and I think it's it's cool too, and how, I mean, Batman even it's, it scares him because he thinks, oh, he this guy got hit by a train, he's dead, and then Whisper grabs his cape and bat, Aah! and yeah, he takes a beating and he tries to spray spray him off of him and stuff, but Whisper ends up coming up above because Batman. I know I'm flying all over the place.
1: Yeah, He's so kind that, of unstoppable of what he is. He's yeah. he not super powerful and strong, but he's just kind of unstoppable.
0: It's not exactly... I need to... It's kind of like I need to separate from him because the t- clock is ticking. I need to get to the bell and I need to stop that because then that stops the plague and therefore the crisis averted. I'll worry about Mr. Whispers later because I don't know how I'm going to stop him because he's invincible in which, uh, did you happen to do your research on what's ingrained on the, on the church bell?
1: That one I think I missed, but I, I mean, I, <gasps> I like the story.
0: For shame.
1: <laughs> I mean, I thought the, the, thought the quote was uh, uh, pretty, uh, I don't know if it's a quote or not, but I, I think it's, it's pretty straightforward what it says.
0: I to the church, the living call, and to the grave do summons all.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a quote, but it's certainly a bell inscription, and it's a, a, a certainly a, an appropriate bell inscription for this story.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, um, like, that, I like Batman's solution, too, uh, to stop in the bell from rigging. He just removes the clapper. So the...
0: Because we have this lovely thing at our fingertips, the Internet... The mm-hmm. first thing that pops up is Church of St. Anne in Shandon. It's an Ireland church. Uh, mm. And it included in this is a long phrase which includes which includes what's inscribed on the bell. So I'm not going to search through this and read it, but that's yeah, that's what I'm going to do when we're done recording. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, it's this the church is noted for its eight bells, immortalized in the song The Bells of Shandon. And so the original inscriptions are retained on each bell. So this is one of the eight. Mm -hmm. Yep, this is the looks like the eighth bell of all eight. And this one is inscribed in it. So, I mean, it's not it's not Scotland. So he's abandoning Scotland, (laughs) but he's going to a neighbor of Ireland. So, I mean. That's all I've got, Robert. See, I don't have anything <laughs> in any of this. I'm, uh, uh, let me Google this quick. But back to Batman. He does stop, and he stops the plague from spreading. And then we go to Mr. Whisper, who seems to be going home, and then that's where this the woman is waiting in his apartment. And in the one, two, three, four, six panels on one page – we get who she really is and i i kind of love it of she says oh manfred my good and faithful servant don't you know me 300 years ago we made a bargain you and i and i was just kind of like oh so i don't know if you remember your first reactions when i'm reading this but to me it kind of felt like you know these were my first reactions. so it was like oh sweet and then it just goes to what you've implied by all your research that you've said of all these stories of the bad guys try to outsmart the devil and it's like no yep. like <laughs> please <laughs> and into which i don't know that even if like had he his plan succeeded i, th- I feel like he'd have been tricked by the devil again and like anyway to yeah. where you know because the devil's just not a good just not a good dude and he'd have found well, a I, way to we get. We have no
1: idea the devil's going to honor that project Alice. He's like, "I'll exactly. take all these souls, and I'll take you,
0: and I'll take you." Uh, thanks, you did yeah. all the hard work for me, but now I got, I got a lot more. <laughs> Good uh, we job.
1: Didn't... What we... the hell? <laughs>
0: we didn't talk about the cord. the importance of the cord. but you did reference it in one of your Robert's annotations. <laughs> in one of your references and how mr whisper's soul is in, is tied up into this into this cord and that's a pretty macabre ending kind of to end yes. the story on of bruce gets a a package delivered that's wrapped in this cord and which he thinks you know it, it seems familiar and then inside of it is a bloody heart yeah it happens to be mr whispers and then Bruce's great idea is to go back to the monastery yes. and uh, chuck it in the water to hopefully free the nun now, finally. And it's such a cool last, last image where the one light comes on.
1: Yep. I was and, thinking exactly. That's, that's such a classic Gothic image there.
0: It is. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of some, it's symbolic. It's It's cool. It's meaningful. And it is in a... You know, for like a haunted ghost, you know, ghost story, it's like this is a a strong resolution of. You always hear of ghosts are you know, they? If you see ghosts, it's because they're searching for something. They're searching for something, and they need mm-hmm. that resolution, and then they can move on, and they're gone. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a strong image. It's a cool image, and like it's a good, it's a good ending to the story. To where I think Morrison kind of he's he's tied up everything. I don't think there's any plot threads that are left hanging open
1: no i i i, I agree i think he ties it up you Got the castle and batman imagery which is mm-hmm. always always good and i, I kind of think it's one final heroic deed that we weren't yeah. expecting there at the end so
0: Yep, uh, definitely what did you think of because i've got i've gone on a lot about uh morrison in this story what did you think of of the look of the book what do you think of like the art and the coloring and such
1: um i like Klaus jensen as an artist um mm-hmm. although i think he's best as an anchor but yeah. i i i think he he's very strong at creating an atmospheric gotham and the architecture of gotham and the monastery i think are some of the highlights of the book yeah um i i i, I enjoy all that i like whisper i i feel that it's is, is both grimy and atmospheric um uh, but i i think some of it's a little uneven a little stiff yeah um I, I think Jansen dropped the ball on Batman's big entrance in like Chapter Five. Uh, where he come down with an explosion to confront Whisper in the mod, in the cathedral, and I I don't think it quite as good. But um, there's there's lots I like. I like I really like the cover of the first chapter with uh, Batman against that uh, monastery with a rose uh, stained glass window. I mm-hmm. think that's terrific. Um, I like Batman overlooking Gotham, kind of sp- poised the spring into action while that the inverted bat symbol is in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like Batman face to face with the burning nun. I I, I I like the death trap. <laughs> um, I do kind of wonder what uh, Bertie Wrightson would have done with this story. Uh, or perhaps the love with a little early with uh, Kelly Jones. Or yeah. A, or a Stephen Bissett and John Toddlebin. What they could have done with it but uh i i think it's good and he, he jansen has kind of a difficult task because it's not it's a horror story there is plenty of action in here uh too um so i the, the jansen is is do, doing a lot i i think it's it's good i don't think it's classic uh like jim lee hush uh batman or uh even like what Frank Miller and he did or David Mascelli had done, but I I think it's good. I I think Morrison is a star of this book though.
0: Definitely. Uh, I like Jansen's work. I think kind of what holds the story back to me here is Steve Bucciolato. Is how I'm going to pronounce it? The colorist? Because I just think some of the art just seems like kind of muted. And I think the very first panel on the first page, in overlooking Gotham, it's the it's just like one two, like three colors, in doing this I whole of the grays. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's like nothing. I mean the the railways kind of pops. It's a darker blue, but it's just kind of, eh. Like I just feel like it, it it's holding back to really make making images pop and Mm -hmm. as we kind of go throughout in which so then in that first page too you have in the bottom right you have the two guys well of course the guy in yellow pops and then Mm -hmm. the guy next to him pops but then like the background just kind of feels like it's just one and it's just not i don't think that it's strongly layered and so like with that I think that's what really holds back Jansen's art to where this isn't... It's not like this is a, a gorgeous book. It's like, yeah, it looks good. But mm-hmm. you see how it's, it's a little reserved and even saying it's good. And that's not to imply that, oh, that sucks or anything like that. It's, that's just some of the... They could have, like you said, Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones can do haunting imagery. And that would have been something else to have uh for this story. But then it's like... But after you just turn a couple pages and you have the one close-up of the guy and you have like his eye and like his face, that's really detailed and that's done really really well. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's a cool image. And so you get spurts of like, oh, there's a cool image, there's a cool image, and stuff. But overall, the whole thing's kind of like it's it's good, it's all right.
1: Yeah, there's nothing really wrong with it, and I I think there are uh, some standout moments, um, but I I. I, I think, as a whole, that it's, it's kind of like a. Yeah, I, I think you're right. A, another colorist, maybe taking a shot at it, maybe it would uh, stand out more.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So let's. Is there another part of this story that we hadn't touched on that you'd like to? Um,
1: Are you quite satisfied? We... I think we've covered everything, although we certainly probably left some people confused about the plot at points, but...
0: uh Yeah, read the story. I, we didn't ruin it for you. <laughs> read the story. Well, I've got a question for you. How... How does Bruce's flashbacks benefit the story, aside from the direct tie-in to uh, Mr. Winchester? Because I kind of feel like his first couple dreams are just just that their dreams, and I was kind of piecing, how beneficial are are these to the overall story?
1: Well, I think they're atmospheric. I mean, yeah, I, I think using prophetic dreams is certainly a classical device, uh, and I know Lovecraft would use dreams a bit in his work to kind of that, and there's certainly an easy excuse to drop some hints of go and uh some horary as well uh which kind of adds a little pop here um i i, I do kind of like that the uh, maybe this is unfinished business for thomas wayne because i think it's that one point that the whisper said that uh, thomas was on onto him but the the or the wayne's uh cut that uh mission short So i i think that kind of ties in a little bit but i mean it i'm really uh a fan of dreams are used to uh, uh, get major hints for, characters uh, information that they would know otherwise. Because I think I think unlock the rose is kind of a cheat. Thomas tells of that, but they, hey, it's it's certainly fitting into the gothic tradition here. Yeah, um, I love gothic uh, stories, and I'll steal a quote from Neil Gaiman. I like uh, I love gothic stories about as much as a 13-ish bookish girl <laughs> um, but it gothic gothic stories are known to cheat and I, I think yeah. there are a few cheats here. So Maybe it paid homage to them or maybe it's just more I don't nobody will care. <laughs> It'll move the story along but I feel like I know a lot about Mr. Whisper and I, I like Mr. Whisper and I, I think it's ironic he's called Mr. Whisper since he likes to talk a lot. Yeah, <laughs> He certainly likes the sound of his voice enough to record it and drop quotes everywhere. Yeah. He he had to be a terrible teacher. He loves
0: irony. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. There it is.
1: But well, seems to be unaware of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to some, some challenging parts of the episode. Do you have a favorite part of Batman
1: Gothic? I really like the Death Trap escape. Mm-hmm. I like that whole sequence. I think the 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 Death Trap is both ridiculous and deadly enough that it kind of walks the ground of of uh conjuring up the 66 series but also still being something that you can take seriously mm-hmm. and i i kind of like when there's a death trap escape every now and then because there's certainly been enough of in batman's history that we shouldn't drop it entirely yeah
0: yeah and what he also brings up again um that i mentioned uh quite a few episodes ago but in the club of heroes uh story that Mer- morrison wrote there's a you know that ends and there's a death trap and stuff and those like those are fun throwbacks when they're not overused and it's definitely like a cool highlight like oh cool death trap mine's a little more for the atmosphere because i too am a big fan of like creepy creepy atmosphere and stuff and it's definitely when batman's inspecting the the flooded monastery at lake des i think that that plays as like a a ghost like a ghost uh a scene in a haunted story a haunted house you know it's just like the the creepy cool setting of the monastery and then him in swimming as uh he's just kind of hearing the when he's hearing the monk of like the he's just kind of hearing in his head like an extension of the story and and beliefs and stuff like that and he and he's just investigating going up the steps and batman's brave because i couldn't do that like no (laughs) chance in hell could i investigate something like that in the dark and like just the the image of seeing the the ghost nun and stuff like that. I think it's kind of chilling and it's really it's really cool and done done well.
1: Yeah. Do it really, go ahead. I was gonna say it really feels like uh, something of a throwback to the seventies uh, gothic Batman and like you guys kind of touched on that before in the uh, House of Mystery crossover at Brave the Bold. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite panel?
1: I think it is uh, kind of batting and poised over the city, just kind of seeing that uh, inverted bat signal, Uh uh, kind of hunched, ready to surprise, but ready to spring to action.
0: Yep. Yeah, that one's really cool. Uh, I had that written down for me as well, but so that I wrote two down. One was that just Mm -hmm. in case we lined up and had the same one then I can say, okay, well, never mind. Here's another one. on 80, 86, and it's his it's his entrance into the into the climax. Like I'd said, that looks like Axis and has the Batmobile and stuff. I just think, just because yeah. of my re, my reaction to seeing that one, was just like, oh my god, that's Batman eighty nine. I love it. <laughs> so so maybe that's just an easy answer. I don't know, but it's as I repeatedly say, and annoyingly say over and over again on the show. to me when doing like a favorite panel a lot of times it is like a a moody piece or something that can like if this was the only thing that i saw could i create a story around this image in my head you know and and i kind of could with that too of like he's leaving that batmobile to go in the warehouse and stuff like that i just think it's a really cool cool image for sure would you like to see this as an animated film
1: uh, yeah, I think I think definitely. I mean, get do like what they did with the Constantine film that did and uh, do it something like that, just a horror, well, kind of R-rated animated yeah. film. I think it would work well. I mean, it's a fairly straightforward plot and uh, has a good climax. And I, I I think you could do it very well. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. if you had to cut for time, you could cut out some of the gangster stuff and still get yeah. it to work. And, uh, yeah, I think that would work really well as a animated film
0: yeah i would i would only ask if they could if they would ever go for this to attempt this that yeah the rated art element like they've done it enough now it's like who cares do it again and do something unique with the art don't have it just blend right in with everything that's been done before it's like do something that's with the designs and just like the look of it just i don't know take a chance on something a little bit more and, and how much fun you could have with an atmosphere like this, and a gothic atmosphere. There's so much reference material that you can look at to be inspired by to create a, a mood and a look for something like this. That, yeah, this could be. I don't know. Isn't HBO Max is the the cool thing now, right? Well, HBO Max <laughs> green like this. Come on, do an original movie, Batman
1: Gothic. Yeah. Use that as your promotion honestly, for the service. Honestly, I lo- I would love if somebody would do a uh live-action gothic Batman story at some oh. point. I mean, you, you could give this to Guillermo del Toro.
0: Ooh, or, uh,
1: <laughs> and yeah. Be right at home with it. or be, uh, Even Juan would, would be, be at, at home with it.
0: hmm Yeah, now you got me dreaming.
1: Damn you, Robert. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the next Batman movie. That, that we...
1: we haven't seen on the big screen before, too.
0: <laughs> yeah the Batman will come out and I'll be like, this is nothing like I have pictured in my head. Okay. This isn't goth enough anymore. (laughs) So, Hey, uh, what are your, what are your final thoughts on Batman Gothic?
1: I I think it's a lot of fun. And I, Mm -hmm. I think it's, even if you're not crazy about Grant Morrison, the, uh, the psychedelic pop, uh, comic artist that he's become, I, I think you can, you can still read this and enjoy it. And, uh, I think it's scary. I think it, it, it's re-readable. I think if you're interested in digging into literary connections, there's a there's lot you can do with it. And uh, I think it's a good story. I think Whisper's a good villain. Um, I think it has it, it hits all the notes that I, I want to hit. I mean, there's a little bit of a mystery, and there's a, a little bit of horror, and there's a little bit of action, and uh, there's a lot of Batman uh, striving to overcome a seemingly superior villain. So I think it's really good.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I think I'm guilty of this, but it's it's like a very popular underrated Batman story and that there's a lot of people that have read Batman Gothic and you say Batman Gothic and they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, but yet it's still like not talked about enough. So I'm really glad. And the the point of creating this podcast was to, from both sides of the mic listeners and myself to maybe revisit things we hadn't for a while embrace and talk about the popular stuff that we love, but then also dip into stuff we're unfamiliar with, whether it's, we've only read it a couple times or never read it before. And Gothic is definitely one that I have not visited very much at all. And so it's stuck with me, but in a way, I, in a way that I've never remembered what happens in it. So this is probably my third or fourth time reading it ever. And it's, you know, and here we are again of like, it's another first time reading. It was really enjoyable. It was a good, it was a good story that packs a lot and it's 120 pages. So with it being easily accessible with DC universe, I mean, it's, it's waiting for you to dip in. If for some reason, somebody's listening to this and have never read it before. They're waiting until the end to figure out, okay, maybe I guess I'll
1: read it now. We, we jumped over. We talked about it long enough.
0: (laughs) We, we did, but as yeah. much as we talked about, we still jumped all over the place that they could still go into the story kind of fresh and be like, well, I kind of know in a way where it's going, but I don't know how. So I feel like I was scattered all over the place with this. I'm like, wait, so much I want to say. But a good Batman story from Grant Morrison. Hallelujah. So
1: <laughs> that, A good straightforward that, Batman story from Grant Morrison.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the least Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison Batman story. So there, (laughs) what's the most Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison, Batman story? Uh, It was, oh man, I'm trying to think what story it was that somebody that Morrison had written and somebody described it to me of like, this was Grant Morrison before Grant Morrison was Grant Morrison. (laughs) And I'm like, that sentence is almost stupid, but I 100% know what you're talking about. And I agree. (laughs) But uh, yeah, a strong outing, a strong outing from him. So um, a bummer he never did anything his career after this. I mean, just,
1: <laughs> yeah, everybody's forgotten about him.
0: Forgot about Grant Morrison. Uh, look him up, kids. He's, he's done some things. So Mr. Reinecke, uh, as we approach here to say goodbye, is there uh, any plugs? Where can people hear more about your deep, deep knowledge of all things pop culture? <laughs>
1: Well, um, I I do have a, a Swamp Things a podcast mm-hmm. that John Beerly and I were doing about uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run. We were about uh, two-thirds through it when uh, uh, John unfortunately passed away, but uh, the other 30-some episodes are out there, and I, I am planning on picking that up uh, in the near future uh, to complete uh, uh, Alan Moore's run and we go into things quite in depth on that one. I, I think we're about a uh, something. I think we average about 50 minutes an issue, um, cool. maybe a little more because um, Alan Moore is somebody worth uh, digging deep on. Um, and I, I also ha- uh, I have had a website and have a podcast uh, where the longtailends.com is the website where I do uh, general movie reviews. And I. Uh, Posted through that website uh, is our podcast, Still Watching the Skies, where we uh, look at uh, science fiction movies, but the science fiction movies that uh, are lesser known, not the Star Wars or 2001 and Alien, but uh, stuff like uh, Southland Tales or uh, uh, 50s, The Thing from Another World. And we're doing uh, Outland with uh, the depth of Sean Connery in our mind that's coming up this month. So uh, that's what else I do.
0: All right. Excellent. Yeah. So full confession time. I've only read like a few issues of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Uh, Shame on me. And then they, was it two episode or two issues of like a Batman and Swamp Thing together in Moore's run? Or was it just one?
1: It was, well, it it was technically only one issue that together, but there's like three issues where where, uh, Swamp Thing is in Gotham.
0: yeah yeah. okay um i found that at a garage sale randomly and i was like it's batman and i just Mm -hmm. grabbed it but um yeah i mean if if you say that's going to be getting going again well somebody hasn't started i mean that's they've got a a backlog to to catch up so yeah you got got like 30 hours there there you go so you'll be good well um thank you robert for joining me on this adventure for batman gothic um i had a good time talking about it. i learned so much professor Reinecke. i uh, appreciate it <laughs> as i said at the top of the show you can follow the batman book club on twitter at the batman bc as well as instagram the same the same handle and follow me on twitter at lauer underscore ryan lauer spelled like lower and i will update you on upcoming episodes and what episode is coming after this because we're inching towards Christmas and there's one story that I think we'd all love to hear us talk about and read again, but I'll wait and tease that a little bit later. You can also write in at thebatmanbc at gmail.com for questions and comments. Just did another Q&A episode not too long ago and if more people write in then we'll do another one sometime soon. It's all up to you. It's in your hands. And I think that's where I'm going to wrap it up. So... Again, thanks, Robert, for joining me. And for Robert, I am Ryan. And until next time, read more Batman comics.